President Harold Taffler Shapiro, the 18th President of Princeton University, will preside at this, the 251st commencement of the university. President Shapiro. The invocation will be pronounced by Dean Williamson. Dean Williamson. Please join me in the spirit of prayer. God of all creation and God of our lives, we gather together on this day of culmination and commencement. We give thanks for all who graduate, for their parents and loved ones, for teachers and trustees, for staff and administrators. We are privileged to be here. We acknowledge that because we are people of privilege, we are under obligation. Save us from our propensities to let Princeton's knowledge go to our heads. Ground us in compassion. Teach us to discern those occasions when public relations become a substitute for public policy. Remind us that moral character is more demanding than feeling good about ourselves. Shock us into awareness when we are seduced by idolatries and ideologies, by fads and fashions. Instill in us the capacity for irony and humor, for audacity and clarity. So let us here and now affirm our commitment to live the challenge of the Princeton tradition. Guard us from preoccupation with our own entitlements. Sensitize our consciences, invigorate our minds, galvanize our wills so that we may live in faithfulness to this poignant moment and to your claim upon our lives. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Graduating students, honorary degree recipients, and other honorees, trustees, faculty, families, and friends of today's degree recipients, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure this morning on behalf of Princeton University to welcome all of you. I would like to extend especially warm greetings to families and friends who have gathered here to celebrate with the graduating seniors of the class of 1998 and with the recipients of advanced degrees from Princeton's Graduate School, and with recipients of honorary degrees and other honors. May I take just a moment just now to ask at this time that all parents, grandparents, and other family members and friends of today's graduating students please rise and remain standing. One more time, 
I'd like to invite today's graduates to join, me, to join me once more in thanking your family and friends for the many contributions they have made to the achievements that we are about to honor. Thank you all very much. The Latin salutatory will be delivered by Jacob A. Rasmussen, a senior from Rhode Island. Placeat vobis, amici, mea verba audira, et sinon omnia intellegitis. Advos compilandos, quenseo linguam latinam, idoneam essa, cum a senatoribus, totorationes baccalaureatae habitae sint. Sinci vobis, alla ena laqui with the or, estuta bono animo, nec diu abutar, patientia vestra, Mathematicus sum, sid non mea morationem, ad infinitum producam. Primum te saluto, praise Shapiro, nos der unica imperator, nos bene curavisti, hos quatur annos, sed cave, rumer refert, Jeff Siegel tuum afficium cupera. Et vos saluto, decani maximi minimique, et prudentes curatores, ministri quid diligentes. Hode abimus, sed vera or, ne cras nos exquiratus, et pecuniam petatus. Deen de nostros professores saluto, homines doctissimos, qui nobis exiguam partem, scientiae suae dedera. Utenam universitas, in meo cubiculo, pribera potuis et tam claram lucem, quam in mentibus nostris illi pribura. <laughs> Nunc salutemus, nostros parentes, qui non tantum pecunias, sed et iam operas et concilia, liberalissimo corde, et the distis et datis. Vobis in nim vero magnas gratias agimus, et vestra dona, maiora ulo auro habemus, et ceteros cognatos salutemus, avos atque avias, fratres atque sorores, qui huc convenera. Pastromo vos saluto, me isodales, quis mortalium ea perscribera potest, tam multa atque varia, Quae una egemus. Quotiens me iamici, flagrantes in edia, passi sumus, longum iter ad hoagei, ut dicator, heaven. Quotiens ascultavamus et paruamus, horatio verbis immortalibus ubenti, nunc est vivendum. Quotiens in thesibus una casavamus, tum ne coeptis quidem. Iam, mirabile dictu, confectis, gaude amusigator, et huies temporis, memores semper simus. Aveta, 
aktualita. I would like to introduce the university provost, the Charles A. Young Professor of Astronomy and former chair of the Department of Astrophysical Sciences, Jeremiah Ostreicher, who will introduce this year's winners of the Secondary School Teachers Awards. Each year at commencement, Princeton honors four outstanding teachers from the secondary schools of New Jersey. In so doing, we gratefully acknowledge the exceptional contributions of our colleagues who teach in the high schools. I would like at this time to recognize each teacher individually, but please hold applause until all of the award winners have been recognized. Jeffrey W. Brannigan. Challenges his students at Montclair Kimberley Academy to be sound thinkers and caring members of society. By example, as well as by instruction, he teaches students how to understand political theory and how to put that theory into practice for the common good. Dr. Kathleen E. Foley guides her students at Northern Valley Regional High School at Old Tapan to an affirmative answer to the question, can I do chemistry? With her ability to match teaching methods to learning skills, and with her infectious love of chemistry, she gives her students, especially young women, the knowledge to map career paths in the sciences. Florence McGinn creates electric soup at Huntington Central Regional High School. An internet literary magazine, Electric Soup, is one example of how she uses tools of the information age to instill a lasting love and respect for the English language in her students and to spread the excitement of teaching to her fellow teachers across the state and around the world. Daniel Moran aims to give his students at East Brunswick High School, in Ralph Waldo Emerson's words, not an education, but the means to education. And, by all accounts, he succeeds, whether through the dilemmas of Shakespeare's heroes or the logic of Jonathan Edwards' sermons, he provides them with the means to sharper reasoning, more forceful writing, and deeper appreciation of the centrality of literature to everyday human experience. Please join me in recognizing these teachers' contributions to our society's future. Let me now introduce the Dean of the College, and professor in the Department of History, Nancy Malkiel, who will present the candidates for undergraduate degrees. Dean Malkiel.
at this time, we recognize each undergraduate who has qualified for Princeton University's bachelor's degree. Let me remind you at the outset that your diplomas and honors certificates can be picked up on Cannon Green behind Nassau Hall at the conclusion of these ceremonies. We begin with the candidates for the degree of Bachelor of Arts. Before presenting you to President Shapiro and to the trustees for the awarding of your degrees, I will introduce you informally, department by department. Please stand in place as your department is named. I would ask your families, classmates, and friends to withhold their applause until all undergraduates in each group have been introduced. First, I should like to invite the members of the following departments to stand. English, Art and Archaeology, the School of Architecture, and Music. Please be seated. And now the members of these departments. Classics, Comparative Literature, Romance Languages and Literatures, Germanic Languages and Literatures, Slavic Languages and Literatures, East Asian Studies, Near Eastern Studies, and the Independent Concentration Program. Please be seated. We turn next to the departments of philosophy, religion, and history. Please be seated. Will undergraduate members of these departments please rise? politics, and the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs. Please be seated. Now those in economics, sociology, and anthropology. Please be seated. Will seniors in these departments please stand? Ecology and evolutionary biology and molecular biology. Please be seated. And finally, I wish to introduce the seniors receiving Bachelor of Arts degrees in physics, mathematics, astrophysical sciences, computer science, chemistry, geosciences, and psychology. Please take your seats. At this time, all candidates for the degree of Bachelor of Arts are invited to stand together.
Mr. President, I have the honor to present to you and your fellow trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified to you who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degree of Bachelor of Arts. Octora Tate Mihi Acuratoribus Universitatis Princatoniensis Comissa, Wosat Gradum Premium in Artibus, a common Artibus, Udin Academis Admito. Congratulations to you all. Please take your seats. At this time, we recognize each undergraduate who has qualified for the degree of Bachelor of Science in Engineering. Once again, I will invite you to stand in place as your department is named, and I will ask your families, classmates, and friends to hold their applause until your degrees have been conferred. I now invite Bachelor of Science in Engineering candidates in the following departments to rise. Chemical Engineering, Civil Engineering and Operations Research, Computer Science, Electrical Engineering, and Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering. Mr. President, I have the honor to present to you and your fellow trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified to you who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degree of Bachelor of Science in Engineering. Octoritate mihi ecuratoribus, Universitatis Princatoniensis Comissa, Wosat Gradum Primum in Scantii Signariis, Ecumenoribus Utendicademis Admito. Congratulations to you all. Please be seated. Let me finally invite the entire class of 1998, 1110 students strong, to rise as a body. Artists, writers, scholars, athletes, campus leaders, community volunteers, recipients of honors, certificates, and prizes, members of honor societies, winners of fellowships, you have put your imprint on this university, and you leave with our warmest congratulations. Uh, please be seated. The valedictory oration will be delivered by Andrew M. Knightsky, a senior from Pennsylvania.
Thank you. It's a real honor for me to be able to stand here today. I think that I should start by explaining something to the parents and family members who are here visiting us today. Um, it has to do with the Fitzrandolph Gate, which is that large gate directly behind us. You can see it's closed right now. Now, this university has a lot of rules about gates. In fact, if you look closely at the molding of that gate, you will see an inscription which reads as follows. Nothing may be attached to either side of this gate. It is a means of egress. <laughs> For us students, however, that gate has never been a means of egress. You see, there's a legend on campus that if you ever walk out through that gate before the day of commencement, you cannot graduate with your class. Now, of course, we're all enlightened Princeton students, and so we know that that story is nothing but a superstition. But all the same, I've never met a single person who said they would willingly go through that gate. Unfortunately for me, I did once go through that gate. And so here I am. I've turned my tassel, but I'm feeling a little apprehensive. I have a sense that uh, at any moment a bolt of lightning is going to come down through this canopy and stop me from graduating. I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, no flash photography, please. <laughs> the main thing that I'd like to do today is give thanks. And I hope that just for a moment you'll let me be presumptuous enough to speak for the whole class because I want first to express gratitude to our families who have put up with us for 21 years and have made a lot of tough sacrifices to give us the opportunity to be here today. Um, you are the single most important reason that we are here. And none of us could have gotten where we are without you. Thank you. I also want to give thanks to the university itself. Uh, I think we all know that Princeton has given us a lot over these four years. But there's one particular thing that is important but often gets overlooked, which is that the university has made a significant monetary investment in us. I think it's easy to lose sight of this. When you're getting this enormous bill every semester, it creates the impression that the university is some kind of corporation that makes money by selling degrees. That is just not how it works. The university does not make any kind of a profit on us. In fact, even if the university did not give anyone any financial aid ever, they still couldn't break even on us. Just to cover the cost of having us around, they would have to raise tuition by something like an extra $10,000 a year. Fortunately, they don't do that. Instead, this university works like crazy, raising money from all kinds of other sources, just so they can help to pay our tab. We didn't really do anything to earn that money. And while I think it's well spent, I don't think that we could say we deserved it. It's an enormous gift that each one of us has received. And I think we should remember to thank Princeton for that, too. So a lot of people have done a lot of work to give us the privilege of a Princeton education. I'm sure our parents could have done something else with their money. And the trustees are smart people, and I'm sure they could think of plenty of ways to spend the endowment. $4 billion could go a long way. But somewhere along the way, it has been decided that these resources should be set aside and brought to bear on the problem of educating us. And now, at last, it is our turn to prove that we are worth it.
I don't mean that to sound like some kind of onerous obligation, because personally, I have no doubts about whether we're worth it. This class, the class of 1998, is the finest group of people that I've ever had the honor to be associated with. But rather, I mean that we have a great opportunity now. For 21 years, one could say, we've been living with the training wheels on. Everything we've done, we've done with other people looking out for us and carefully nurturing our potential. They've brought us a long way, and now we are ready finally to put all that preparation to work. Just like the kid learning to ride the bike, I think we'll find that life without the training wheels is more exhilarating than we ever expected. And I'm sure we'll do our benefactors proud. Thank you. At this time, I would like to introduce the Dean of the Graduate School, and Agate Brown and George L. Collard, Professor of Religion, John Wilson, who will present the candidates for advanced degrees. Dean Wilson. As many of the candidates for master's degrees are at present, please rise in your places. Mr. President, I have the honor to present to you and your fellow trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degrees of Master of Arts, Master of Fine Arts, Master of Arts in Near Eastern Studies, Master of Architecture, Master in Public Affairs, Master in Public Affairs and Urban and Regional Planning, Master in Public Policy, and Master of Science in Engineering. Doctoratati mihi ecuratoribus, universitatis princetoniensis commissa, vosat gradum secundum, well in artibus, well in artibus elegantibus, well in asiam caterioram pertinentibus, well in architectura, well in rebus publicis equivalis, well in rebus publicis equivalibusque et urbium regalumque designatona, well in constantliis publicis, well in scentiis canariis admito. Congratulations to you all. Please be seated. as many of the candidates for the degree of Doctor of Philosophy as are present will rise in their places. <laughs> Mr. President, I have the honor to present to you and the trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified to you who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degree of Doctor of Philosophy. Doctoratati mihi et curatoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa. 
Wosad Gradam, Dr. Reese in Philosophia at Middle. Congratulations to you all. Please be seated. Let me pause for a moment and indicate once again that the Doctor of Philosophy, the degree that we have just awarded, is the highest academic degree awarded, marked here at Princeton, marking an original and independent contribution to worldless scholarship. I'm especially pleased and would like us all to congratulate once again today's recipients of the PhD degree. Congratulations once again. It is now a very special pleasure for me to confer the President's Awards for Distinguished Teaching here at Princeton. I want to thank Lloyd E. Coatson of the class of 1950 and John J. F. Sherrod of the class of 1952, both charter trustees, for their endowment of these awards, which enable us to honor today four members of the faculty for a sustained record of excellence in teaching at both the undergraduate and graduate levels. The Dean of the Faculty and James S. McDonald, Distinguished University Professor of Physics, Joseph H. Taylor, will introduce each award winner. Dean Taylor. Mr. President, I would like to introduce each of my colleagues individually. Angela Krieger, Assistant Professor of History. Biochemist and historian. Angela Krieger bridges the often deep divides between science and humanities, the hard and interpretive sciences, the traditional domains of men and women, the intellectually rigorous connections between science and gender studies that she creates for her, her students are matched in lasting effect by the personal connections she establishes with undergraduate and graduate students alike. John Gager, William H. Danforth Professor of Religion and Master Forbes College. Look, look for John Gager wherever students are found, at Forbes College where he is master, in his class on the origins of Christianity, on the soccer field, in a chat group for students of religion, at the climbing wall at the gym. Through his example, as much as his formal courses, he quietly urges us to press further to try out a new idea or a new skill, and to break through our self-imposed limits. <laughs> J. Richard Gott III, Professor of Astrophysical Sciences. Love of astronomy and love of learning distinguish J. Richard Gott III both within and outside the university. As professor of astronomy, he has led generations of dazzled undergraduates to an understanding of general relativity with humor and skill. As host of Princeton Observatory's open house and commentator for the news media, he has explained the universe to non-scientists with clarity and infectious enthusiasm.
Nying Yuan Tong, lecturer with continuing appointment in East Asian studies. Nying Yuan, also known as the legendary Mrs. Tong, has taught generations of students classical Chinese using modern Chinese. Her devoted students gather around the globe for Mrs. Tong reunions to recall her miracle of unlocking the secrets of obscure and arcane texts and her gift for teaching them to read an ancient culture through a living language. Please join me once more in recognizing the contributions of these faculty members to the vitality of Princeton's teaching mission. <laughs> members of the faculty and staff who retire from Princeton this year are recognized in the commencement program. The university is grateful to each of them for their contributions to the Princeton community and for their commitment to the fulfillment of the university's mission. Please join me in applause to express our appreciation to them. The University Orator, Robert H. Rawson, Class of 1966, will now present the candidates for honorary degrees. Mr. President, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Laws, Honoris Causa, Linda Chavez Thompson. Her first job was hoeing cotton in the fields of her native Texas for 10 hours a day at 30 cents an hour. Outraged at her conditions, harnessed to her exceptional energy and political savvy, led her to a career in labor organizing and eventually to the apex of the American labor movement. At a time of bewildering social and cultural change, she is a beacon of justice for all of America's workers a woman who has dedicated her life not to rising above working people, but to rising with them. Octoritati mihi et curatoribus universitatis Brincatoniensis commissa te et gradum doctoris in legibus honoris causa admito. Mr. President, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Letters, Honoris Causa, Atoll Fugard. For over 40 years, Atoll Fugard has told us stories, stories about desperation and hope, 
injustice and liberation, hatred and love. Although his deceptively simple plays are deeply rooted in his South African experience, their emotional and intellectual range has earned them a unique place on the great stage of the world. Master storyteller and master teacher, he has awakened our consciences, educated our hearts, and delighted our senses. It is, as he says in his most recent play, as simple as that. Mr. President, Mr. Fugard. Mr. President, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Humane Letters Honoris Causa, Howard E. Gardner. At once student and teacher of the entrepreneurial genius and the charismatic leader, of the artist and the scientist, of the brain damaged and the gifted, he has revolutionized education from daycare to graduate school throughout the world. Revealing the variegated powers of the human mind, his theory of multiple intelligences has opened our eyes to the different ways human abilities can flower, how they can blossom or lie dormant, how they can be stifled or cultivated. In teaching and research, he has been a model of multiple intelligence and demonstrated how it can change the world. Mr. President, Professor Gardner. Octoritati mihi et curatoribus universitatis princadoniensis commissa, te et gradem doctoris in literis humanitoribus honoris causa admito. Mr. President, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Science Honoris Causa Robert E. Kahn. As an architect of ARPANET, he helped open the lines of communication among different computers and then established the protocols that enable networks to talk to one another, thus linking the various communities of computing in a worldwide internet. Pursuing his vision of a national information infrastructure, he now explores the promises and challenges of a medium in which the production and distribution of knowledge take place concurrently as people exchange their thoughts in continuing conversation across the boundaries of time and space. Lest we become trapped in this worldwide web of information, he now designs NOBOTS to travel around the net, collecting information on our behalf and assisting us in creating it. Mr. President, Dr. Khan.
Aktoritati vihi curatorbus universitatis princatoniensis commissa tea gradem doctoris nascenti is honoris causa admitto. Mr. President, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Laws, Honoris Causa, Matthew J. Perry, Jr. A pioneer whose tireless and skillful advocacy helped protect and propel the pioneering actions of others he was the leading attorney for the Civil Rights Movement in South Carolina. Often without pay, he provided knowledgeable, timely, and wise counsel to young activists we now rightly view as heroes. Inside and outside the courtroom, his legal acumen and his social vision helped to secure constitutional protections for such freedoms as speech and assembly and helped to replace discrimination with opportunity. As the first, and so far only African-American judge on the federal district court in his native state, he extends a lifelong commitment to integrity and fairness, to liberty and justice for all. Mr. President, Judge Perry. Toratati mihi accuratoribus universitatis brigadoniensis commissa, te et gradem doctoris in legibus honoris causa admitto. Mr. President, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Science, honoris causa. John W. Tukey. When computers were new, his search for simplicity made a bit out of binary digit and provided the fundamental algorithm for digital signal processing. On the principle that, quote, it is important to understand what you can do before you learn to measure how well you seem to have done it, he pioneered means of exploring complex data to detect simple patterns that point to deeper structures worth investigation. A self-described miscellaneous type in an age of specialization he has forged robust statistical tools over the broad spectrum of the sciences and brought his quantitative insight to bear on public issues, ranging from the depletion of the ozone layer and the quality of the air to the assessment of educational progress and the means of getting an accurate count of our population. Mr. President, Professor Tukey. Aktoritati mihi accuratoribus universitatis princatoniensis commissa te et gradem doctoris conscientiis honoris causa admitto. Congratulations.
graduating students, ladies and gentlemen. It is a special privilege to be the speaker at these commencement exercises, the 251st commencement at Princeton University. We have an unusual tradition here at Princeton regarding commencement speakers, except on very rare occasions. It is our custom to allow the university's president the prerogative to be the last to address the graduating students. Thus, it is the university's president that has the opportunity to leave with them the final parting words and thoughts that will accompany them as they leave this historic green and travel through Fitzrandolph Gates into a new phase of their lives and into the world that they will serve in so many diverse ways. This tradition probably stems from colonial times when the president of the college was obliged to provide a special capstone course to all seniors that was designed to give them some last minute moral guidance and to try one very last time to ensure that they would become right thinking and upstanding citizens. For students, this exercise was probably reminiscent of the last urgent bits of advice they received from their families before embarking to college. While the tradition of Princeton's capstone course has long since been discarded, the Princeton tradition of the president's commencement remarks lives on, although certain changes have occurred over the years. At the commencement of 1760, for example, Princeton's fourth president, Samuel Davies, delivered what contemporary observers thought to be a splendid two-hour oration. <laughs> Moreover, he composed two hymns that the seniors were required to sing for their parents and the assembled guests. For good or ill, I have decided not to follow these particular aspects of the Davies tradition. <laughs> First, I have been unable to compose any hymns. Second, I've decided not to speak for two hours, since the contemporary American patience for oratory, even very great oratory, cannot match the enthusiasm of an 18th century audience for that particular art form. I do want to take a few moments, however, to address the graduating students on two themes. First, I would like to offer a few observations regarding the very special character of this moment in their life's journey. Second, I would like to reflect on a particular aspect of Princeton's traditions, which I hope will remain important to them as they pursue the many different paths that will shape their life experiences. Today's graduating students stand at a wonderful juncture in their lives. Only a few years ago, they and their families experienced a similar moment when they first arrived at Princeton, filled, I am quite confident, with a sense of achievement and eager anticipation on the one hand, and a certain amount of anxiety on the other. For today's graduating students and their families, this is once again a moment of transition, and it too is filled with an earned sense of achievement and with an understandable level of both excitement and anxiety as they contemplate together the next steps that today's graduates will take once beyond Fitzrandolph Gates. Like it or not, such moments of transition produce a tension that reflects losses as well as gains that always characterize a period of change. At these moments, we always feel an inescapable struggle between, on the one hand, the magnetic power of our habits and our memories that draw and bind us for good or ill to our past, and on the other hand, the ever-present reality of change and transformation in our lives as new opportunities and challenges propel us forward and cause us to grow as individuals. 
The words of two Irish poets express these countervailing forces more beautifully than I can. Listen first to the words of C. Day Lewis on the power and glory of our traditions, our memories, and our roots. These words are from his poem entitled The Whispering Roots, and I quote, Roots are for holding on and holding dear. I overhear them whisper across a lifetime as if from yesterday. My roots go whispering on like rain on a soft day. Whatever lies beneath their cadence I cannot disown. A sense of rootedness, a rootedness, a source held near and dear. On the other hand, now attend to the verse of Derek Mahon, as he reflects on the constant change that also governs our lives. And now I quote from Derek Mahon: "Nobody steps in the same river twice. The same river is never the same, because that is the nature of water." Similarly. Your changing metabolism means that you are no longer you. Your years at Princeton are now among the roots that will continue to whisper to you throughout your life. And because of your years here, each of you is no longer quite the same you were. You're no longer quite the same you. These moving verses of Lewis and Mahan evoke for me an even keener realization that while we all experience daily the echoes of our previous journeys, it is the inevitable process of change and as the yet unknown contours of our future journey that will determine, will determine the fullness and character of our individual contribution to the accumulating experience of humankind. As those of you graduating today take the next step in your journey, I know that you will continue to be nourished by the values, traditions, and memories bequeathed to you by your families and friends. And now I hope you will also be nourished by the nature of your experiences here at Princeton. They are both now a part of your precious and hard-earned heritage as you take your next steps beyond Fitzrandolph Gate. As you look ahead and consider what you are about to become, let me bring us back for a moment to 1760 and President Davies' commencement speech. Far more important than the hymns or the stamina and patience required by a two-hour oration was the idea about which President Davies spoke in addressing the graduating class. President Davies told them, and I quote, whatever be your place, imbibe and cherish a public spirit, serve your generation. These words spoken so long ago represented an ideal that was already deeply embedded in Princeton's view of itself and in its hopes for its alumni and the role they might play in colonial society. These enduring notions of public duty and responsibility were implied in Princeton's charter in 1746. They are embodied by Princeton's sixth president, John Witherspoon, who turned this campus into the academic heart of the American Revolution and whose students went on to become some of the primary architects of our new republic. They were also captured memorably by Professor Woodrow Wilson, in his famous speech, Princeton in the Nation's Service, which he delivered just over a century ago at our 150th anniversary celebration. For much of the last century, we have tried to encourage students and ourselves to live by these words. Through them, we have tried to set a standard by which Princetonians have gone on to serve this and other nations in many different ways. In recent years, we have extended Wilson's phrase, Princeton in the Nation's Service, by adding 
and in the service of all nations. We have done so to reflect the changing makeup of our student body and the growing interdependence of the global community and the role we hope that our university and our graduates will play in this new world that is rushing towards us as the new millennium comes. As we cite our university motto, it is important that we pause for a moment to understand what we mean by service in this context. Indeed, Senator and Ruth Harkin gave their own personal interpretation, an inspiring interpretation of service to family, to work, and to community at last Sunday's baccalaureate service. My own views are very expansive in this regard, for I believe there are many, many ways for each of us to employ the special advantages we all enjoy to make a real positive difference to the worlds of which we are a part. Moreover, the increasingly dense set of connections that tie individuals around the world together means that even local actions, big and small, eventually have echoes elsewhere. Let me cite some examples of service or making a positive difference in such a context. Making a positive difference to our families by supporting enduring human ideals that sustain them is in the nation's service and in the service of all nations. Making a positive difference by the type of service that brings integrity and excellence to our chosen professions or to the institutions that help shape our society or other societies is in the nation's service and in the service of all nations. Constructing ever larger circles of empathy to those different from us, both near and far, will make a positive difference and is in the nation's service and in the service of all nations, as are our efforts to ensure respect to the dignity and humanity of all people. Protecting the Earth's environment and promoting the equitable allocation of the planet's resources will make a positive difference and is in the nation's service and the service of all nations. As noted in an old Quaker saying, and I quote, time spent teaching is never wasted. Teaching, therefore, always makes a positive difference and is in the nation's service and the service of all nations. Thoughtful involvement in domestic, foreign, or international public service will make a positive difference and is in the nation's service and the service of all nations. The list of activities through which one can make a positive difference and therefore qualify as in the nation's service and in the service of all nations is much longer than I have time to recite today. My point is that the number of ways one can engage in an effort of genuine service that would make this world a better place is constrained only by the scope of our imaginations, by the strength of our will, and by the depth of our commitment. Perhaps this is what the great baseball say Jogi Berra meant when he, note, when he noted, and I quote, when you reach a fork in the road, take it. Now, if Yogi Berra had anything serious in mind, he must have borrowed the Princeton notion that, that in the end, it is a personal resolve to act, the determination to actually put ideas into action and to grasp the opportunity for leadership that makes a difference. For this commencement of 1998, this important first commencement of our next 250 years, we have taken the words Princeton and the nation's service and the service of all nations and placed them on these bright new orange banners that today flank the corners of venerable Nassau Hall. Of all the wonderful and vivid memories you take from your time at Princeton, we hope that one of the most lasting images will be of these words that are written so large today and placed for this commencement upon the edifice that represents the very heart of this university. This historic green, these acres of shaded lawn, 
where commencement, where at commencement every year, students become alumni. It is from this green where so many familiar campuses of our campuses' paths converge that you who graduate late today, like those who came before you, will disperse into the world to begin life's next promising adventure and to do, we are certain, so many good and great works. I hope that you've experienced Princeton not only as a place of learning, but as a community of fellowship, of service, of celebration, and of moral commitment, and that you will remain lifelong members of this community and other communities similarly engaged. In that way, you will become part of an unbroken chain of inspired and talented Princetonians who have passed through Fitzrandolph Gates to create new knowledge, to provide new leadership, to increase understanding, to promote human progress, and yes, to make a positive difference. You face a set of opportunities that generations who have come before you could only dream of. But the complexities are also greater, and the challenge of making a positive difference will call upon all of your talents and test the depth of your moral commitment and courage. As you depart from this historic green and pass outward through these Fitzrandolph gates and into the world beyond, you take with you not only a hard-earned diploma, but our most enduring aspirations, that your future will be guided by integrity and honor, by commitment to a set of moral values that reflects our common humanity, by a sense of perspective on the evolving human condition, by a sense of humor that reflects the humanity appropriate to us all, by the courage to speak out for your beliefs and, and to defend the more vulnerable members of our society, and by a determination to extend your empathy to the widest possible set of beliefs, ideas, and commitments. Those of us who will remain here on campus, within these gates, if you like, hope that as you commence into a new century of amazing possibilities, your visions of service and your commitments to the well-being of others will be clear and compelling, and will guide you through all kinds of human endeavors in the nation's service and in the service of all nations. Thank you and congratulations to you all. At the conclusion of the benediction, and after the singing of Old Nassau, guests are requested to remain in their places until the platform party and the degree candidates have left front campus and returned to Cannon Green. The benediction will be pronounced by Dean Blanks. Dean Blanks. Receive now the benediction. Go forth from this place, sons and daughters of destiny, and give voice to the visions that stir within the deep places of your life. Go forth from this place, humanity's hope and the planet's promise, and dare to dream the impossible into being by serving the marvelously varied continents of humankind by loving mercy and doing justice. Go forth from this place, offering the depth and breadth of your intellectual gifts and graces, and usher into being the spirit of Tekun Ha Olam. Go forth, sons and daughters of destiny, to repair the world. Amen.
Will you please join us now in singing Old Nassau?